Hey, this is John Horner Jacobs, author of Southern Gods in This Dark Earth. Check out the book with the two most handsome men on the internet. Saturday I took a walk to zip her head I met a girl there and she almost knocked me dead oh, Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is Nothing. We're not talking about a book tonight. We didn't read a book for this episode. Uh, we're doing an interlude because it's been something like a dozen episodes maybe since we've done just some regular random book talks. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Uh, no book review, no authored interview, but we have a very impressive list of very interesting topics to talk about tonight. So that's what we're going to be doing. And hey, let's face it. We have us. This yeah. is what people tune in for, me and you. Exactly. Not the books, not the authors, not the reviews, not Sean Ferguson, us. <laughs> you couldn't go <laughs> 10 seconds without mentioning Sean Ferguson's name. I could not. You know, it's funny that you say it's been like a dozen episodes. I think because you and I talk so much and talk about book-related stuff off the show that I, it doesn't occur to me that we d- didn't do something like this on the show in, you know, whatever, two months or however long it's been. Yeah, that's a good point. So... I've got some stuff to kick it off with, and I say uh, kick it off. I want to kick it off with this because I feel like we're late on this. Anybody who listened to our last episode heard me have a meltdown about how much I had to pay for a uh, for a substandard version of Mark Danielewski's <laughs> book. You did come off. I, I <laughs> in editing it, I, I got to listen back to it, and you did come off as a very very bitter person. Don't get me started on it again because I'm no less bitter. That's not what I was going to say, <laughs> but. <laughs> In order to, what made me feel a little better about it at the time, about being duped, was that right around that time, the announcement came out that uh, Amazon is uh, is now currently going to be, or is going to be offering and issuing refunds in their price-fixing settlement. So, That's good news for, um, really, Kindle owners who have bought books from any of the... It's from Hatchet, HarperCollins, and Simon & Schuster. So that's three of the big five, basically. But um, then you know who else it helps out? Lowly podcasters who are low on funds for buying books. The only thing that I outspend myself on for books is actually my coffee budget. So, um, yeah, yeah, if we got a little check back, uh, that would be nice. We, I, I posted on the – oh, no, no, no. It's just going to be a credit directly to the Amazon account, right? Mm-hmm. You can request a check if you want. Yeah. I wonder if they do like you know how you go to like a used bookstore, used record store, and you sell some stuff, and they're like, "I'll give you seven hundred dollars in store credit or like six dollars in cash." <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I got the email, you know, saying that I would get something, and it's not very specific, but yeah, they're going to be issuing um, the refunds in February. So in February, I fully expect that this podcast is going to be flush, like an extra like twelve bucks or so. Yeah, that's um, yeah, one. James Patterson book, pretty much. Exactly. So, at any rate, in case you didn't hear it, you're getting back anywhere from thirty cents to a dollar thirty-two. And quite honestly, the first article I read, and I haven't been able to track it down, um, was a little more specific. I think it was a dollar thirty-two if the book was a bestseller, and then less if it wasn't a bestseller. Um, but here's what I can say about this. Okay, the amount of money that those three publishers put together for the settlement between the three of them. Are you ready for this? Sixty-nine million dollars. Yeah. So when we hear how the, you know, publishing industry is being hurt and specifically, you know, the big publishers, they had $69 million that they were able to put aside for the settlement. So that's a very, very small portion of what their entire, you know, bank account holds. Yeah, that's true. And the thing, I mean, I don't know, it's just difficult for me to really like explain, I mean, like express my feelings on it because, yeah, it's the the publishing industry is definitely not what it used to be and it's probably not nearly as profitable as it used to be but like the way that they're churning out stuff like uh zoo by james patterson and 50 shades of gray i mean come on 50 shades of gray was earning el james the author now that's you know after any kind of you know publisher cut or anything like that a million 1.3 million per week at its height so yeah books are making money for the publishers i mean um it's still a profitable business it's just shifting and changing i guess yeah so at any rate a little bit of kickback if you've been buying stuff um from amazon 
Um, the weird thing is that you would think that the same thing would happen if you were buying from Barnes & Noble. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, now that you mention it, yeah, any... any mm-hmm. Because the books are still from those major publishers, so it's just, right. yeah. I mean, is well, it because they weren't colluding with the publishers to fix prices the same way Amazon was? I honestly don't know, but any time I saw a price for a book, you know, and they, you know, have like it's available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it was always the same price. Right. So I'm not really sure how hmm. that worked, but it's kind of odd to hear that only Amazon is offering. You know, I mean, there's a dozen nook owners out there they should be entitled to a few bucks back to <laughs> 69 million for the amazon customers and like 86 bucks for the barnes and noble customers frank edler you got like 86 yeah. bucks coming back your way buddy you're the only nook owner i know so uh actually go. um skip papersley owns a nook color i can tell you that much that seems very technologically advanced for that guy well i mean he lives in the present day uh, <laughs> oh, okay. He just sounds like he lives hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't read his his author bio or his bio uh, on the About Us page, have you? No, I did. I did. I just thought it was kind of funny. To, <laughs> I, every time I picture Skip Papersley's in black and white. Yeah. So well, I his, figure, yeah. like we'll go have coffee with Skip. He'll be in black and white. You and I'll be in color. Yeah. But the and the and the really the weirdest thing is watching his. Um, he did an interview for that FCJR book. Mm-hmm. And he's in full color, and he's you know, he's still talking like Skip Papersley, but he just looks like a dude with a fake mm-hmm. press hat. <laughs> yeah. So, any rate, you know that guy's now going to be uh, tan black and white, from what I understand. Yeah. No booked news this week, as Skip Papersley is either on vacation or location. The the <laughs> the call wasn't that good, so I couldn't hear. I just heard Asian <laughs> syndication um, somewhere. He's in syndication. Uh, all I heard was Asian. Yeah. So either. We're going to have the next book news is going to have beach noises in the background or um, he's just going to send us something later, probably next week. Um, I'm <laughs> glad he gave you that indication. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. All right. Um, kind of in the same realm as this uh, refund situation is another interesting way that uh, electronic books have changed the idea of ownership. I'm sure that people have read about this. It's a pretty prominent story, especially if you're into books at all. It's been on, I personally read it from Gizmodo, and I know it's been on some other book-related websites and stuff as well. Uh, The story about a woman whose um, Kindle, not only her account was frozen with Amazon, but they actually went into her Kindle and deleted everything off of it and basically shut her out from her content. What do you think of that, Livius? I just want to clarify. I don't think the disturbing part is that they, you know, turned off her account. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they deleted stuff that she paid for. That's that's a little harsh. Yeah, and so um, this is kind of an anonymous person who's named only as Lynn L I N N. This took place somewhere in the UK because it was Amazon.co.uk that was the people that actually took action against her account. And they claimed that uh, her account was closed because it was somehow associated with another account that was uh, breaking the Amazon rules of use or something like that, which she was trying to dispute um, but was having trouble doing that. And they actually quoted a part of the terms of terms of use, terms and conditions that says, per our conditions of use, which stayed in part oh – no, that actually says – Amazon.co.uk and its affiliates reserve the right to refuse service, terminate accounts, remove or edit content, or cancel orders at their sole discretion. That's a little freaky. It is. And I I don't I'm sure that there are pages and pages of Amazon rules and regulations that you know nobody has ever read through except the guy who wrote them. Um, and the guy who's trying to defend Amazon <laughs> against these allegations. But um what could you possibly do to make them want to wipe out your Kindle? So, I mean, I guess if you're buying with like a stolen credit card, maybe I, I just can't think of what else you could be doing that could violate an Amazon policy. Yeah. It has to be some sort of criminal activity. Um, but then like, you know, using but, stolen credit cards to like buy books to read on your Kindle is like, I don't like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just a very strange 
strange situation. But then when she um, actually tried to get them to provide more information about why they they, they did what they did, mm-hmm. uh, their response was something along the lines of, while we are unable to provide detailed information on how we link related accounts, because, again, they said it was related to account that was violating the terms of use, uh, please know that we have reviewed your account on the basis of the information provided and regret to inform you that we will not that it will not be reopened. So they're not even going to tell her what she allegedly did to get this, you know, get into this situation. That's just so weird. And like linking, how they link accounts. I mean, I don't, I guess if you have multiple accounts in a house, that's not too hard to do. Yeah. You know, but then again, depending on if you live, depending, you know, I mean, I've seen houses that have been broken up into apartments where it was like one address. So that could look like four different families were living in the same home. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that. So it's very strange. But then again, I guess the biggest concern is not that they discontinue to, to provide service to somebody. Believe me, I wish I could do that every single day. But, <laughs> I mean, this is the equivalent of being like, you know, hey, not only am I not selling you anything anymore, but I'm coming to your house and taking the books that you bought from my store back to my store with me. Yeah. That's the real concerning issue. Yeah. So, um the ongoing, there was an update that came earlier today. Uh, there was a response to Gizmodo, uh, which, again, is where I saw the article originally, that says, uh, from Amazon, that says, we would like to clarify our policy on this topic. Accounts, Account status should not affect any customer's ability to access their library. If any customer has trouble accessing their content, he or she should contact customer service for help. Thank you for your interest in Kindle. So that was their response. So... Uh, it sounds like they're backpedaling um, a little bit, at least because of the backlash in the situation. And they're st- <laughs> in their backpedaling, they said that you should always have access to your content. But it is specifically noted in the terms of use that they can take away your content if they wanted to. Which So that's really not doing anything to reassure me. Um, just because they're like, oh, you know what? We shouldn't have done it, but we can yeah. Do you think they have our accounts linked? Mine and yours? I don't know. Like a Siamese, like Siamese twins? I think, yeah. Well, they, they could Conjoined. probably look and see that the purchases are very, Identical. very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> even, I mean, even I'm sure a lot of the free stuff that comes out, you know, when someone posts online and says, hey, I'm giving this away for free. I'm sure that within two hours, you and I are downloading the same books. Yeah. Yeah, because we have like the same social circle and we learn the same things. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean... But think about it. The, I mean, the ease of, of getting electronic content like books is um, it's such it's it just makes you feel so comfortable and like, you know, that, you know, you've got it and it's easy and it's there and it's accessible. But you don't realize that the lack of like a physical presence makes it so much more likely that someone could just like, you know, mess with your stuff arbitrarily almost like it, it doesn't seem like. Um, in this case, there you know at least we haven't seen any proof. Like the Amazon didn't come out and say, "Oh, this person is evil, and this is why." They just said, "Oh, you know what? Um, you're still evil. We shouldn't have taken your books away." So uh, it's weird. Yeah, and somebody's going to eventually have to clarify. Because didn't Bruce Willis have the same problem with music he purchased from iTunes recently, where he found out that he was not going to be able to leave it to his children? Yeah, he Bruce. I don't know. He must have had time in between live like Die Hard movies or whatever. Um, <laughs> read actually read there's the the 42 pages or whatever the the terms of use for um iTunes content and realize that yeah it's not transferable like it's not something that you could will to someone it's the mm-hmm. it's the property of the individual and if that individual seeks to it ceases to exist that's pretty much it for it so i guess the lesson here kids is be careful you don't necessarily own your digital content even if you paid for it so always research but really and i don't want to advocate anything illegal but like uh so yeah if bruce willis dies it's probably going to hit apple's radar um <laughs> you think they'll notice <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably find out about it one way or another right. um probably not your grandmother or your uncle or something you know so like yeah, i don't know basically my advice to you would be don't send a death certificate to Apple. (laughs) If your uncle who's got an awesome iTunes library uh, kicks it and you want to keep his stuff, just, you know, make sure he leaves you a password. (laughs) 
third on my list of things to do after I die is contact <laughs> Apple and let them know. <laughs> well, that's, that's what makes it so absurd is like the reality like, of it is you have to almost like put yourself in a situation where it's you bringing it to their attention before like yeah. they're actually going to take that action against you. So, I mean, it's not like I can't imagine that they have a team of people going around just validating that, you know, all of the hundreds of millions of iTunes users are actually still living. Yeah, no, you're you're right. It's it's so weird that they would even (laughs) just like you said, that they don't go around and verify. But somebody sat down and said, you know, we should put a clause in here that if someone dies like that stuff all comes back to us. No one else gets to have it like who came up with that thought? You know, the whole thing is so bizarre. And the thing is, I have to imagine that they weren't like, hey, you know what? What happens when this? Well, you know what? Maybe they were like, what happens when this person dies? But more I have to imagine it's just like a standard and a very general approach to the transferability of ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily when you die, it's probably under any circumstances, the ownership remains with that individual. Um, and it's not transferable. That's the, that's, I have to imagine yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> I just had this weird scenario in my head. So Lynn from the UK <laughs> sends this email in and says, Hey, what happened to my Kindle? And they're like, we're sorry you died. <laughs> We've taken all our content back. my mind went in another direction where it's like you have this really epic really awesome itunes uh library and let's say the apple you know the policy is different and you can transfer it Mm -hmm. uh all of a sudden all all your family members are trying to kill you so they can get their hands on your like (laughs) full collection of beatles records there's a story oh, in that somewhere. There's, probably... there's insanity in that. Walk into like a UCD shopping pill to pick up the entire Beatles collection for like four bucks. Yeah, that's true. Remember? Do you remember CDs? Are you old enough to, to are young enough to remember CDs? Old enough to remember CDs? How does that work? Um, old enough would be yes, that would yes. be the right way. But I am actually old enough to have owned cassette tapes. Yeah. Not 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 eight tracks like you just or, or vinyl. Um, it's true, but cassette tapes. Yeah. yeah, I never owned my own eight track. That was my parents, but I did own a couple of record albums. Yeah, well, I got into a vinyl kick. You know, like every kid does when they're in their like teens, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, I'm so awesome!" Vinyl. You know, I went through that, but like, less. Than- I just want my three dollars <laughs> back from Simon and Schuster. That's that's really all this is all about. Yeah. Yeah, and I, <laughs> so the lesson in the whole thing is, um, you in the end don't really have a hundred percent claim to your digital content forever. Um, but I mean, is it really that big of an issue? Unless like something weird happens, like the Lynn situation, or your Bruce Willis. Um, I, I don't see what the the big deal is. Here's the big deal, okay? This is the same big deal of people who get overly concerned about, like, the permissions that an app requires on your phone. Yeah. The people who are just looking way, 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 way too hard into something like this. Like, the chances of your Kindle getting wiped are probably astronomically against that happening. You know, or like you said, that Apple finds out that, you know, that you died and, you know, I'm the one currently using your iTunes library, which I know the kind of stuff you listen to, so I don't want it. But, you know, it's just it's it's an outrage against the concept. It's not genuine outrage that this could happen to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what you're saying, though, is you don't want me to will you my Bjork collection? No, 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 because it's nowhere near as satisfying as being able to, like, break those old LPs, you know? Yeah. I don't know what you do. Like, I put it in, like, a digital shredder in the computer. I hit, like, the delete button. It's just not as satisfying. Yeah. So. And that, yeah, going back to what you said too, like, uh, really, I mean, the idea of ownership to me isn't really that big of a deal. Um, if I bought something, uh, like some sort of entertainment thing, and I uh, used it, I read the book, I watched the movie, whatever, you know, once I've, you know, once I'm done with it, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I got what I wanted, you know, like, um, I don't necessarily care if it's something that carries on for generations. You know, I'm not the person that gets sentimental or even just like, you know, I'm not like a super, it's my right kind of thing. It just mm-hmm. doesn't really matter too much to me. 
I'm with you. And that's why I said sometimes I read these very, you know, about Facebook all the time. Like, oh, yeah, Facebook. Facebook's watching every website you go to. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as they're not reporting you for criminal activity, who cares that they know you're going from there to Oprah Winfrey's site or uh, you know, Manarchy Mag or, or what? Who cares? They use it to be able to target ads to you. And quite honestly, that whole targeting ad thing. I'm more likely to, to appreciate ads in the sidebar that are actually targeted to my interests than is something mm-hmm. totally unrelated to me. And the other reality of it is they track that type of information because they can sell it, which sounds evil. And in some ways it probably could be a little bit less, you know, uh, it could be kind of evil. But the main reason that they sell it is so that they can make revenue so that they can provide one of the most powerful social interaction devices that's ever existed mm-hmm. Without you having to pay for it, I mean, there's there's a reality of business uh, behind all this stuff, and 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 if um, if Facebook has to, has the opportunity to sell, you know, the information that you know from Facebook, I, I navigate to my podcast website or something like that, mm-hmm. and then I can use Facebook for free. Eh, fine, you know what? Overall, I, it's not impacting my life negatively. If uh, if we were living in some sort of crazy police state where they bought that information from Facebook and use it against me in some way or something, that's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a different story. But right now, it's really just you know the evil corporations that are taking advantage of me, not the government. And that's that's I guess my whole point. And the only other the only other thought that comes to mind with that, and not to get into a whole political debate, but you know the definition of privacy: some anonymous computer at Facebook knowing what my surfing habits are is not the same as an invasion of privacy that now it's printed in a newspaper, the list of sites I went to for my friends and family and colleagues to see. You understand what I'm saying? There's yeah. the, I understand that privacy means the same thing, but there are kind of different levels of privacy. And I really don't care that I'm a number in the Facebook bank that they use to make money because, like you said, it's a service I don't have to pay for. And at the end of the day, all of the uh, uh, examples that we've given right now Amazon, you don't have to use it. It's an opt-in kind of thing. Facebook, you don't have to use it. You know, you opt into using it. iTunes, you don't have to, you know, use iTunes for music. There's plenty of other ways that you can, you know, acquire music, the same music, probably for a similar price. Um, So it's all stuff that you are volunteering to do. And it's just a matter of understanding that when you do that, um, this is a way that people are going to be able to sustain their business that they're offering to you. It's just, it's, it comes with existing in a digital age. What do you think people would think if they know that we can see when, what website they go to from when they leave ours and that we actually see a picture of them and in some cases activate their webcam to see what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. We actually watch you listening to our podcast. Yeah. So you, you know, I'm talking to right now. Don't fall asleep. Listen to the rest of the episode. We got good stuff coming up. (laughs) All right. What else we got going on? I don't know. I'm trying to think back how to get back those four really paranoid listeners that we just lost. <laughs> what else do we have going on? All um, our listeners, all our listeners are scrambling to put shirts on right now, <laughs> or pants. <laughs> God damn it! All right, enough talk about Amazon. Enough talk about the big boys. Um, let's talk about some smaller presses and what maybe they have going on. All right. Yeah, so it occurred to us recently that um, because we've been doing this for so long and we've been uh, interacting with uh, several uh, independent presses, we get uh, nice emails telling us what's coming up, you know, from their their public the their presses, publicate publishers, publish publicists, publish where the the place where the books come from, <laughs> and. Uh, and so why not kind of just uh, throw them out there for you guys uh, if something catches our eye. The first thing we're going to talk about a little bit, uh, there's a cheesing, which we learned recently thanks to Paul Tremblay, how to pronounce, has uh, has been hitting us up with some stuff ever, you know, for a while. And they sent us over a list of some books coming out. And the one that looks interesting is um, a book by Robert. How do I'm we gonna just... go Boychuk? Boychuk? Boychuk, Boy- I think. Boychuk? Boychuk. Sure. Robert Boychuk, and it's called The Book of Thomas. Here's the uh, synopsis for that. In the beginning, the church ruled all the spheres of the apostles, but 
that was millennia ago before the original before the origins of this massive artificial realm were forgotten now drought plague and war afflict the spheres that make up the world of man fragmenting society into antagonistic sects sects that carry out ruthless pogroms that's not a typo right it's not I programs don't think that's a, i don't think that's a pogroms. typo Pogroms. If anybody wants to tell us what a pogrom is, P-O-G-R-O-M, I'd be interested in here. Anyway, a young orphan, Thomas, is thrust into the midst of this upheaval and embarks on a journey to the highest of all spheres, heaven. As he struggles through his chaotic, crumbling world, Thomas witnesses cruelty and violence beyond measure and chances upon unexpected moments of courage and self-sacrifice. In this turmoil, his belief becomes doubt and he is forced to make soul-rending choices uh, between what his faith tells him what he should do and what he must do to survive. All right. So, um, by the way, I use this fantastic device that I recently acquired called a computer to look up that uh, that word. Ooh. Um, and it is pogrom, which is an organized massacre of a particular ethnic group, like podcasters. Like if the church went after podcasters. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Or if Amazon goes after Kindle owners. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, so I saw that in the emails and, and I'll just be really honest. I, I was like kind of reading, reading it and I was like, man, it doesn't really sound like my kind of thing. And then the next day I was thinking about that cover, which is like a really weird, like monkey guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should probably rephrase <laughs> that. A really weird monk like guy. <laughs> he doesn't look like a, like a monkey. <laughs> no, he doesn't look like a monkey, but you know, he's monkey looking um he's probably like a cardinal or something looks like he's missing part of his nose any rate that i couldn't get that out of my head so i went back and i reread it and i've gone back to this like three times and i'm very kind of intrigued about this book yeah it looks interesting i mean like obviously it's got a very future fantasy kind of element to it very well i guess metaphysical Maybe I'm not. See, that's the whole thing. I'm not sure if it does. That's where it intrigues me a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, like, well, I mean, this is grounded in reality because it's a bunch of like churches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to heaven, like a sphere of, yeah, the earth or something called heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to check it out. Yeah. So she, uh, they come out with some really interesting stuff over there, um, over at the Cheesine. Do you know that, I don't know if I've said this on the show, so forgive me if I have. I was so disappointed to find out they weren't from Chicago. I know. Chizine. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And, you know, Richard Thomas talked about it a lot. And where does Richard Thomas live? Just north of Chicago? Yeah. I was like, oh, they're yeah, not from he's, Chicago. Yeah, he's always talking them up. I'm yeah. like, oh, these guys must be some local awesome people. Yeah, and that's what I thought. So, at any rate, I'm totally deciding. Not just that. Aren't they from, like, Canada or something? Can't. Yeah, they're not even no. American. Yeah, here's here's the great part. Let's move on to the other press that we're going to uh, to talk about. Who's also not from the United States? So, uh, oh, we had Alan Guthrie on oof, a long time ago now, um, who is the founder of Blasted Heath. Um, just real quickly, Blasted Heath does eBooks almost exclusively. I've recently saw something about you being able to get a print edition of something. But um, basically, they are working with a group of pretty much crime authors to, to bring you um, very inexpensive and good reads um, for your e-reader. Um, so that's what they do. Now, this one is really eye-catching for a couple of reasons. So this is out now, I believe, either like when we're recording this or the day after we're recording it. But it's a, it's a book called Hard Bite. Here's the first eye-catching thing about it. The author is Anonymous Nine. That's the name. You might be thinking that that's German. No, it's nine, like the number nine. Like Rob's arm, number nine. (laughs) So, Anybody who doesn't understand what that means, I have a tattoo (laughs) of the number nine on my left arm. Mm -hmm. So, mm, coincidence? Yeah, it's a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Any rate, and then I'm going to read you the... uh, So that's the first thing that's very kind of eye-catching, is that it's written by not a name, but a number... Um, But here is the synopsis. The hit-and-run driver took everything, his wife, child, and legs. Now a paraplegic, Dean Drehart unleashes payback on suspected hit-and-runners in Los Angeles. Which sounds great, right? Oh, yeah. With helper monkey Sid as his deadly assistant. Now, 
monkey is that a monk <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a guy who acts like a monk a lot no this is a legitimate monkey all right i just want to make sure we're on the same page <laughs> dean's gentle doting nurse marcy knows nothing about what he's up to when sid tears out the throat of a mexican mafia member she gets kidnapped in order to force dean surrender armed with nothing but his wits sid and a sympathetic streetwalker named cinda dean manipulates drug cartel carnales and the los angeles sheriff's department in a david against goliath plot that twists and turns to a heart pounding showdown a paraplegic and a monkey now i want you to think we read a bestseller maybe it was in a top 10 bestseller recently that had a monkey that was killing people that's true okay so that was a big publisher top of the bestseller list kind of thing right here we have blasted heath putting out a much better monkey story than the big guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Monkeys, apparently, hopefully this will be done right. Zoo is kind of a, a bummer. But I don't know. When you team up a mo- You know what I thought of, too? Um, mm. I thought of... Uh, what's that Anthony Neal Smith book? Psychosomatic? Mm-hmm. Because wasn't there a... Is he paraplegic or quadriplegic? She's, she's quadriplegic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the woman. That was cool, and uh, yes. that was the first time I'd experienced anybody using a plegic of any sort in a book. So, interesting. Yeah, so there you go. And uh, it's another one that I think I'm going to have to kind of squeeze into my uh, my reading. They're also doing some kind of giveaway, and forgive me because I'm not very clear, but apparently you can get pictures of this monkey and insert them in different, um, in different <laughs> scenes, and there will be like a winner that gets something. Which oh, might be nice. Like, yeah, I don't remember. Maybe that's where I was thinking paper book. So, at any rate. Not talking about their giveaway. I'm talking about this really uh, cool book that they're doing. So you want to check them out there, blastheat.com. That should be available now. And uh, when is the Cheesine book coming out? Uh, it's on their November uh, their November releases, and it looks like it's November 15th for the Book of Thomas. Oh, and it's the Book of Thomas Volume 1, Heaven. So uh, it looks like this is going to be part of a series, or at least it's titled in that way that makes you think it would be. Well, like anything else, if they sell a lot of copies. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So, hey, what does that mean for us? We're episode 113. Oh, I don't know what that means for us. But did we call the first one episode one? I don't think we did. I don't think we were that hopeful. We did. Did we? We said this is episode one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How else would we number it? I have no idea. Like, just book podcast. You know, a lot of podcasts will start out with an episode zero that's like a dry run. Not us. We were so damn confident. We jumped right into mm-hmm. a full-on review, called it episode one, and a lot of the way that we structured it exists today. That's very true. Very, yeah. very true. So, but at any rate, I'm going to give Rob credit for this. This indie book spotlight thing that we just did was totally Rob's doing. So, nice job, Rob. I think it's a great idea. And as things come across that we find of interest, we're going to mention them. Yeah. Yeah, because the reality is as we get more uh, contacts with these different independent uh, publishers, we're going to have information of what they have coming out because they put us on lists and stuff. But we're not going to be able to read all of their books. So, at the very least, we could uh, – we could – you know, shine a little bit more of a light on them when we when we're not able to read their books. Um, just for reference, the episode that Livius was talking about, where we uh, interviewed Alan Guthrie, was the episode fifty-two, where we reviewed a Blasted Heath book called Dead Money, and then had Alan on to talk about a lot of cool stuff: uh, self-publishing, electronic publishing, indie publishing. It was very, very, very illuminating on a lot of book-related topics. That guy made me feel like an ass. I was like, why can't we get page counts? He's like, because it just doesn't work that way. And I was like, oh, all right. Because I was like totally interrogating him. Yeah. And he's like, listen, that's just not the way it works, kid. Back to your podcast. Like, all right. We sorry, were a Mr. young podcast. We were sorry, like... sorry, Mr. Guthrie. <laughs> so... Well, you know what, though? He's got that kind of like, you know, foreign accent authority where like no matter what he says, like he, he could be telling smarter. you, like yeah. you could be like, "How do you fold a shirt?" And he could say like the exact wrong way to fold a shirt. But he's got that kind of accent where you're like, "You know what? I bet you if I tried that, that might work." I think you're right. All those British <clears throat> people do. He might not even be British. Is he Scottish? We've been calling him British oh. the whole time. No, uh, he's he's Scottish. Yeah. Okay, it's like the same thing, right? Oh. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Mm. I, I really, honestly, like, I really don't get that whole. So, like, the United Kingdom is England and Scotland, right? And some other little tiny things, like, I think, Wales. Like, aren't oh. the Welsh? Oh, I thought Wales was just part of England. Never mind. Let's stop doing know. this. Let, yeah, let's, let's not let's, pretend like we know Let's talk about, about something we know a little bit about. <laughs> the Welsh, um, right? Oh, you know who's Welsh? Uh, no. Scott Mariani, who wrote the Mozart Conspiracy, which was episode two of Booked. Yeah, everyone rush back and listen to that piece of work. <laughs> episode two. <laughs> um, let's move on. All right. So this is going to be our last episode in October. And you know it comes after October, right? You mean Booktober? After Booktober? November, right? Yep. Yeah. And then December, which is the end of the May-December promotion. So we've been running this promotion with May-December publications since May of this year. Remember, May. Uh, where essentially you read one of the books from their uh, current list of books they have available. Run over to Amazon, drop a review about it, mention Booked. That you that booked sent you there, or that you know about booked, or just put the word booked in there, and um, that's going to count <laughs> as an entry in their uh, promotion they're doing. And what they're going to do is uh, one lucky winner is going to get um, this is like a book a month, right? In two thousand thirteen, from Correct. May December. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so thirteen, twelve books. How many months are there? There are twelve True. months. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So this is like the Zodiac. They didn't right. throw in like a 13th month when we weren't looking. All right. So 12 free books. So if you uh, all you have to do, read some May-December books, go drop some reviews about them, mention Booked, and uh, they'll be looking in on that, and uh, someone's going to win some, uh, some, some free reads. The guy in the lead right now, his review is like, I started reading this right after I booked my flight. He's <laughs> in the lead. So I got to tell you, competition, you know, you've got a good shot at winning this, so... Yeah, and like Livia's mentioned one other time, these guys are always giving away stuff. Uh, Todd Brown's Dude, birthday, can, like he you gave can away read books. that whole catalog without paying a dime. Yeah, seriously, they're always giving away stuff. So uh, yeah. maybe get some giveaways and then review them to get more giveaways. Like it's the M- gift that keeps on giving. Might we suggest Midnight Movie Creature Feature if you don't know where to start? Yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. That's a book that um, uh, longtime listeners will remember. Because we talked about not only the anthology overall, um, but also specifically Craig Wallwork's story. We did our zombie extravaganza spectacular, oh, pretty much a year ago now because it was in October last year. I know. It's the one-year anniversary of of that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy it a cake. What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We had so much fun with that episode. I'm so disappointed that we didn't do something like that this year. Yeah. You know, we might just... uh, well, we're not going to, are we? I don't know. Hey, you know, we could do something for, for the next holiday. Thanksgiving? You know, Thanksgiving. Like a special pilgrim episode. I don't know. You know what I was actually thinking. So this is just me talking out loud. Um, maybe we could zombies. Uh, I saw zombies eating Santa Claus um, oh, is yeah. coming out shortly. And maybe we can do a little fun something for uh, for the holidays featuring that little ditty, that little novella from Scott Brown. Not bad, sir. Not bad at all. So we'll see. All right. So um, before we jump off this topic a little bit, you know, we're talking about May, December. Um, If you wanted to listen to our review of the Midnight Movie Creature Feature Anthology to see if it was something that you were interested in, episode number 50, titled Midnight Movie Creature Feature, we uh, did that November 8th. That's the one we talk about the anthology overall. Uh, But if you go back a few, episode 47 is our zombie extravaganza spectacular with Livia waving his arms in the air. Um, that's October 15th. It's episode 47. So that's the one we had some guest hosts. We had uh, Amanda Gowan on. <clears throat> and who else? Chris Deal. Chris Deal was on to talk about uh, Walt, Craig Wallwork's uh, Revenge of the Zombie Puss Eaters. And we talked about tons of really cool stuff. We talked about horror movies and zombies and vampires and a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm going to pull out the big guns on you here because I don't normally do this. Um, we had Todd Brown on episode 100 late July this year. That's true. He was one of our three authors. Did you see that, though? Like, episode number? I didn't look this up. I knew when it was. I couldn't Whoa. give you the exact date. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm showing off a little. I've been studying because you keep showing me up every episode. Impressive, sir. Well, well played. All right. I'm not done talking about small publishers yet because you know what I want to talk about? What? My newest favorite small publisher, soon-to-be small publisher. Book podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, we're we're dipping our toes. We are really, um, we're really at almost the wrap up point for submissions. I mean, we've got, like I said before, you know, the, the easy work is done. Like we sent out a bunch of emails, got flooded with stories, kind of like reading through them. Now it's time to get down to work. So just want everyone to know that, uh, the progress is going very, very well. I'm very excited about some of these stories. I'm excited about all of them. It's, it's, it was that horror, horrific moment where we're like, We've we've had people on. We've talked to all these you know these authors and stuff, and for the most part, we've liked them all, and we've you know, we've developed stronger friendships or you know acquaintances with them. And and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, if I have to tell someone that their story is terrible, I'm going to be really nervous about that. But it hasn't haven't it's 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 a conversation that hasn't had to happen yet, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> I probably shouldn't air this on, on the show, but we were all prepared. Like, we're not taking any crap, and we're pushing it right back to him if it sucks. So we get started, like, this is really good. Hey, <laughs> this one's really good. Like, we were all, like, full of piss and vinegar. Like, how yeah. we weren't going to take any crap from anybody. Yep. So, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, very, very good stuff. Totally yeah. excited. Yeah, it's it's going to be, the like, the hard work now. Like, Livius is right. We're going to have to... Because we're not farming any of this out. This is all 100% in house. We're gonna we're gonna do the layout. We're gonna you know all of it's to be done by us, and it's gonna be excellent. We do have an editor. I mean, yeah, in house meaning us and our editor. <laughs> I was just listening. I was just picturing our editor going, "What the hell are these guys talking about? No one has to go through this slush pile and yeah. change, putting commas and reword things." And yeah. well, I'm not saying it's just the two of us. We have help, but yes, we we're do. not like you know. We're not sending it to a place that's going to do, you know, any of that shit. We're doing it all ourselves. Wait, that was an option? Uh, it's probably one that costs money that we don't God. have. All right. God damn it, because I was like, wait, someone else could just take care of this for us? We could just slap our name on the cover? That's awesome. <laughs> could be like James Patterson. <sighs> yeah. Oh, man, you know what? And he makes a lot of money. Why are we doing this? I don't know why we're doing this. Why, why do we do any of this? I was going to talk about James Patterson, but you know what? I figured we should leave this on a, on a good upswing. I don't want to get all upset again. All right. Want to talk about the website? Sure. Hey, we have an excellent website. Um, <laughs> Livius was... <laughs> Last episode, Livius dropped, uh, dropped the announcement that we have done recently done a site redesign. And that's kind of something that's ongoing. Um, I'm tweaking and updating and adding new things. Um, the main focus was getting more content on the front page, uh, so that it's easier to get to a whole bunch of different episodes. So you can go to recent posts, you can go to specific, uh, like interludes, interviews, reviews, um, uh, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've added on, there's now our favorite people in the world. Stitcher have this little player that I've thrown into the sidebar cause it's nifty and, uh, It'll just let you play the most recent episode right there without going into a different, you know, screen or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> a couple other things to point out. We have little ads for some sites that have been very supportive of our podcast. Um, and one day maybe we'll go into the paid advertising business, but for right now we're just – it's a show of solidarity for people who have been good to us. That's right. Fight the good fight, people. Yeah. Um New site looks, uh, it, it's just a breath of fresh air for me. Um, that old one was feeling very stale, so I'm really glad we got something new and fresh looking up. Looks really good. I'm, I, I like it quite a bit. And um, the unintended consequence of having a new website that looks really nice is that it's a lot less work for me. I used to have to manually enter a lot of information on the front page about the new episodes that were going up. Not anymore, sir. The moment I publish... The new post, it just updates everywhere. Nice. Very nice. I don't understand anything you said past new website, so. New website. Shiny. Shiny. Pretty. Pretty. Hey, you know what we're doing next week? Nope. Isn't it nice not having the pressure of committing to anything? This is awesome. (laughs) I don't even know. Are we going to have a show next week? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about... Oh, no, no. I want to talk about this now. Um, This is actually a little bit related, so I think it's worth talking about. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat. You're tonight. apparently very excited about whatever this is. I know. <laughs> um, I recently watched, um, and the way I'm tying this in is, uh, it's it's a Halloween horror kind of theme, but it's also writing related. I recently watched the movie 1408, the John Cusack movie from I think like 07, 
Um, the reason that it's horror related is because it's definitely like a horror kind of thriller movie. And the reason it's writer related is because it does one of the things that I hate almost more than anything. And it puts the main character as a writer. And the reason that I hate that so much, it might be a little bit like irrational, but I always think about the fact that it's a writer writing about a writer to create this story. And it just seems so like, you know, masturbatory in a way that it really bothers. I can't, I focus so much on that. I know it's like a OCD thing of mine, but like, I just keep thinking about how like when a writer creates a character that is a writer, it seems like they're just trying to make it themselves, or at least that's what I, you know, interpret. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. It just seems so like self-congratulatory or masturbatory or something. I just wanted to say masturbatory. Yeah. That particular writer has done that quite frequently, though. The right, the the who wrote fourteen oh eight? See, I, I was was leaving it out there to see if maybe you just didn't, you know, that you just didn't say it. You were like, the reason this is kind of has something to do with horror is that it was written by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, that's he did, and I'm like, he's not mentioning that it's written by you know the the pretty much the king of horror. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's based on one of his short stories, which was much. Much, much better than that film, FYI. But no, King has done that in numerous books that I could think of. I mean, right off the top of my head, I could probably name five. So. Yeah, and, but am I off base on, on being weirded out by that? I, I mean, think that, I see, I, 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 my gut instinct is to say no. Like, a lot of people write about detectives, probably more than writers. But then again, it does seem like there are a lot of characters that are writers in books. Like a... <sighs> Like a disproportionate amount for the need to have a writer as a main character. Like when yeah. I say a lot of people write about detectives, well, that's because it's a crime novel. So either you're writing about the criminal or you're writing about the guy trying to catch the criminal. So, I mean, there's really only two ways to go with that. But, yeah, it does seem that way. And now that I think about it, King really has written a lot of stuff that's like that. Yeah, you know, and even, like, I haven't read a lot of King because I'm not a big fan of his. But, like, mm-hmm. like Misery. Mm-hmm. Other things. <laughs> yeah, well, there's Misery, I think Bag of Bones, um, The Dark Half. Like I said, I could probably, if I keep thinking about it, I could probably name even. He was a character in one of his own books yeah. as a writer. And then, so. and then going further into it, like John Cusack, I think, is an excellent actor. Um, he kind of does the same type of person. He brings the same personality to all the different roles he plays, more or less. Especially in this. And Livius, you saw the movie, right? And you also read the uh, story. I did, yes. Mm-hmm. The way he speaks, all right. So, like the one of the big premises is that he's he's uh, he writes about haunted locations, and mm-hmm. he goes to all these hotels and everything to uh, to get material for what he's writing, and he uses a tape recorder to record his thoughts about um, where he where he's whatever location he's at, and god damn it, if he doesn't speak in a way that is just so unrealistic, like he's he's it's. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so prosy yeah. and, like, mm-hmm. um, overly worded and, like, it, it just, it's, and it, if anybody ever spoke like that in my presence, I would definitely, back of my hand, just smack him in the face. Wow. It's, it's, it's just pretty goddamn violent. It's so annoying. Like, I mean, nobody speaks the way that, that no, no writer, I hope, <laughs> speaks the way that Cusack spoke in that, in that movie, and it was just... I mean, I thought it was a pretty cool movie, and the suspense was good, and the you know, it freaked me out and everything a little bit. But God, the way that he spoke was just so annoying. Yeah. So if you're listening out there, writers, the writers that listen to this, stop making your characters writers. Right now, just stop. Turn them into something else. The garbage man. <laughs> There's not enough garbage man fiction out there. Not Joe. enough I was garbage just man. Thinking that the other day. <laughs> I was also thinking paraplegic with monkey, but lo and yeah. behold, someone proved me wrong. So, Yeah, a postal carrier. Yeah. A lot of blue-collar stuff out there. That's very true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and in some case, I guess if it's really relevant to the story, and again, not to drag this conversation out, but in the Stephen King book, The Dark Half, these uh, murders start occurring, and they're being committed by the fictional character that this guy created. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I mean, it's really a very important part of that story that he be a writer. It's not, it's not masturbatory because who else would create a character? I mean, unless you know. Yeah, but at the same time, like then you're just when you have a writer, 
you know that they're destined to fall victim to something that has to do with what they wrote Mm -hmm. or a style they write in or something literary related. I I mean, like if it's a writer and, you know, like their life is complicated by, you know, the stock market. Yeah, I don't know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it it just gets so predictable and like uh, it just it frustrates me. And and it makes all right. Here's the other thing, and I mean, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna offend everybody we know, but it makes writers sound like they have interesting lives. <laughs> I've hung out with lots of writers in my day, and it's not that they're not interesting on a personal level, but I mean, I mean, it's not like they're rock they're, stars. They're not fighting ghosts in their own creations. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're not. I, I of all I've I've met. So many authors, and none of them are falling victim to or being haunted by a character that they created. <laughs> Where did this go? Yeah. Where did this show head and, off to? I don't know, but like, and the, the sad thing is, I liked the movie, but I hated the fact that it is a writer. And it just, every time, every time, it just bothers me so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like those those uh ghost like ghost hunter shows? I watch them but I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a common thread here. <laughs> yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. Oh, you got anything going on for Halloween? Um I know, but I was thinking of starting to write a story about a guy who hates stories about writers. Mm-hmm. Um and he's writing a story about it. No. Um do I have anything going on for Halloween? No. Like some Inceptions level shit yeah, there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what about you? Nothing that I'm aware of. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Quiet Night with a scary book. Mwahaha. Actually, probably not. I'll probably be into whatever we're reading for next week. Yeah. yeah, back to that. We don't know what that is. We don't know. We have some idea. Some idea. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for our um, interlude episode of Booked, which we haven't had in a while. It was nice. We talked about a bunch of stuff. I ranted a lot. Um, Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. Keep reading.